The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and I hope things are going well for you this week. It's uh, wonderful to be back with you again on the Business Elevation Show. And I'd just like to say thank you to my guest um, that was on the show a couple of weeks ago, as last week I, I repeated a show around my book as I was away. Um, but I wanted to uh, say a big thank you to Layla um, Cheria. Um, Layla was an amazing entrepreneur. She's based in Kenya. She's someone I met in person in Kenya back in September. And uh, she's someone, I think, who has um, you know, an amazing attitude towards entrepreneurship and social responsibility. She's a non-executive for Barclays in Africa. So we discussed doing business in Africa and the things to be you know, mindful of. And I just thought um, her, her views and perceptions on leadership and social responsibility were uh, really well worth uh, airing and listening to. So if you're interested in um, entrepreneurship, interested in Africa, uh, I would uh, listen to that show. So to today's show, um, you may hear there in the background, we have Andy Belinsky. Um, Andy's going to talk to us today about stepping outside your comfort zone and rising to uh, the challenge. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? You know, there's often, you know, what sets successful people apart is that willingness to do the things that most of us fear. There's also you know, a false notion that successful people like to do these things, when the truth is that successful people have simply found their own way to do them. Um, I love the idea of this interview when I was approached by um, Andy and uh, his PR sort of team, um, because it was very much about ob- overcoming obstacles, uh, which is so important to success. And I could see the parallels of my own book, The Power to Get Things Done, Whether You Feel Like It or Not, which was also published by Penguin Random House. Um, I'm also personally spending a lot of time um, working with universities at the moment, and uh, I love talking with people like Andy, who really balance you know, great academic knowledge and wisdom. Um, so Andy is a professor at Brandeis University's International Business School in Boston. Uh, Andy helps people to develop the insights and courage necessary to access uh, their ability to perform outside their personal and cultural comfort zones. Um, his work has been featured in Harvest Business Review, uh, Inc. Magazine, Psychology Today, The Financial Times, The Boston Globe, NPR, and of course, Voice America. He was awarded as a top voice for LinkedIn for his work in education. And his first book, Global Dexterity, um, published by Harvard Business Review, received the Axiom Silver Award, uh, Silver Medal for Best Business Book in International Business and Globalization. It's been widely used in organizations around the world, including Boeing, AIG, the U.S. Air Force Academy, Clinton Foundation, among others. And his new book, which we're going to talk about today, is called Reach, a new strategy to help you step outside your comfort zone, rise to the challenge, and build confidence. So let's talk about how you overcome those things 
uh, and that you're afraid to do and make it a proud part of your personal repertoire. So a huge welcome today to Andy Malinsky. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome, Andy. Uh, and Andy, um, you were brought up in, the, in Boston. What's it like as a city to live in? Well, I love Boston. It's a great place uh, to live in. Uh, it's, um, it's, I, people sometimes say it's the most European of U.S. cities. So uh, for those around the world, uh, come visit Boston. <laughs> well, I think, I think from the United Kingdom, it's actually one of the uh, shortest journeys, I think, to get to a, a U.S. city from the U.K. So maybe there's quite a lot of our Europeans come over there. <laughs> it is. I think it's a pretty popular destination. No, Boston's a great city. Uh, great food, great people, big university town. I think there are more universities per capita here than you know pretty much anywhere else I know. A uh, great place for medicine, lots of young people, vibrant, and we've got the greatest sports teams in the world. Ah, so, <laughs> so, so who are they? <laughs> well, we've got being, the new being a Brit and being a right, exactly. Uh, well, I guess our soccer team's not that great, uh, but uh, we, you know, we've got the New England Patriots, which is the football team, and uh, their their owner actually owns um, uh, owns uh, the um, soccer team as well. We've got the Boston Red Sox, one of the most famous baseball teams, and their owner owns Liverpool in the UK. Uh, we've got, what else do we have? We've got the Boston Celtics, one of the most uh, well-known, famous uh, basketball franchises. So it's a, it's, a, it's a cool place to be. Thanks. Well, I was delighted to say that on Monday night, my, my team, Leicester City, beat Liverpool 3-1. Ah, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and I got lots of, uh, lots of photos from friends because I sit near the TV camera, so I'm quite often, often uh, filmed. So I got lots of photos of me sitting there. Which is well, be, because the owner, uh, because John Henry, the owner of the Red Sox, owns Liverpool, we actually, on our local TV, get Liverpool broadcasts. So. Ah, and he, he also yeah. owns the NASCAR racing team, doesn't he? Um, we had... We had a, a gentleman on the show not too uh, long ago from Fresh French Fresh, Fresh Fenway, is it? Fresh Fenway. Yeah, Fenway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Fresh, yeah. 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 Mike Mooney. Well, yeah, wonderful guys. Interview in the archive uh, around that, which is really nice. good. So, so tell us, tell us a bit about your your life growing up, and you know what inspired you to become a professor, and you're you know you're writing all these amazing books and articles that are getting known around the world. Yeah, so, you know, my dad's a professor, so I think I, it probably was in my blood a little bit, but that's but I didn't know it. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to university. I, I had a fun time in university, and I did well in my classes and so on, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, when I left university, I still didn't know what I wanted to do, so I, so I, so I did what, you know, I don't know, some, some Americans might do is they continue with a little bit more school to try to figure it out. And at that point, I decided I wanted to, um, to go abroad. And I went to France. And I worked for a small French business in France. And I have to admit, I didn't love the actual work I was doing there. It was kind of boring to me. We were doing, uh, what were we doing? Customer satisfaction surveys for um, industrial companies. In French, <laughs> it was like I wasn't like a great French speaker. I, I was I, I learned you know fairly quickly, but but what but what fascinated me was what was happening in the office. So this this will date me. This was uh, just at the cusp of fax machines coming online, 
And I had in my office one of those little boxy Mac computers, as maybe some of the listeners will remember, like some of the early, early generation Mac computers. And I remember so well that I would do my work on the computer, which had to do with cold calling clients and writing some notes and so on. And I would get it done fairly quickly. But then I would keep this secret file open about my sort of like, I don't know, like at the time, probably like pseudo psychological observations of the office. You know, I, I, I had like, I had no training. I, I, I studied international relations and some languages in school. I had never taken a psychology course in my life or frankly, a business course. And, but I just became, I think just like, I don't know, it was some, somehow inside of me, I was fascinated by this stuff. And when I came back to the U.S., um, I was trying to, you know, find like, what is this that I'm so fascinated about? And it turned out that the label I put on it was social psychology and organizational behavior. I went on to do a PhD in the area and I, cause I wanted to really get to the bottom of it. I wanted to really learn it in, in sort of a sophisticated academic way. Um, but I always had an eye on practical impact because frankly, my interest in the topic came from my own life experience from seeing it in the real world. So although I then per, pursued an academic path with a PhD in the area and so on. Um, and, and I teach it at business schools. I always wanted to make a difference, you know, sort of in the real world. And so that's, I think that's, that's kind of my origin story. Yeah. No, I think, I think when I you know, read your book, um, it seemed to be very, you know, practical. It wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't highly academic. It was, um, it was, uh, seemed very relevant, which I, I love to love to see. And you were talking there about being a sports fan and I, I wonder you know how much sport has influenced you in, in terms of writing a book about stepping outside your comfort zone because uh, certainly, certainly becoming a, a top sports professional you have to do that yeah it's a good question um you know I I uh I, I've always loved to play sports and I've always loved to watch sports and I think that certainly some of the thinking um has influenced my approach. Like for instance, in the book, I talk about how um, when you're learning to step outside your comfort zone uh, in a difficult situation for you, and that could be public speaking, it could be making small talk, it could be networking, it could be being assertive and pitching and promoting yourself, whatever it might be. You know, it's important to take what I call just right steps, small steps. So, you know, find a situation that's a decent opportunity for you to stretch, to practice in, but not something that's overwhelming. And then try to find multiple opportunities, building up your skill set and confidence over time. And I think that approach actually is probably influenced by sports. So for instance, you know, in the U.S., and this will be a U.S. Uh, example, but I'm sure there's the equivalent um you know, international examples, but in the baseball leagues in the United States, we have single A, double A, triple A, and then the majors. And the majors is sort of like the first division in soccer in Europe, but we have all sorts of levels before that. So you're not going to stick a young, promising 15-year-old into the into the top, top level. They need to build their skill, build their confidence, and so on in situations that are just right for them, right? Or even a little bit of a stretch. And I, have a, I think I've adapted that idea from sports. So I think that's one example, but I do think there are a lot of parallels between sports and acting outside your comfort zone. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes something can seem very overwhelming, can't it? But if you take those, take those small steps uh, towards it, uh, then you, uh, uh, you overcome your fear. I was just thinking while you were saying that, I wasn't thinking about sport. I was thinking about uh, an example a couple of few years ago when I find myself um, at a, um, at a 
was it? it was it was bugs and snakes i think it was a show that my kids had taken me to at a zoo and there was um they were showing snakes at the beginning at the front of the stage and i managed to hide at the back because i don't particularly like them <laughs> and the guy at the front said to me i said to the audience said there was about 50 people in there anyone want to overcome their fear of snakes and i kept my hand down but my my kids were going dad 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 and pointing at me and so he said gentlemen on the back of the road he'd like to come out and uh, they got me to hold this small stake and you know i was pretty scared to be honest and, and perspiring and my heart was pounding and um, but i realized by holding it it wasn't too bad and then i gave him it back and then he said to me as i was walking away he said actually that's that's not a snake this is a snake and they brought a huge crate with a boa constrictor in it and i couldn't have held the boa constrictor which i did if i hadn't held the first snake and it you know, it happened in a short period of time, but you know, that's, I think, what you're talking about, isn't it? One step at a time. That's, first of all, that's a fantastic story, and I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'll tell it, at, you know, I'll mention that it was from you. It's a great story. And it's funny you mention a snake, because I talk about a snake in the book. You know, the analogy, you know, the idea that if you're afraid of snakes, and you can, and, and when I say snake, you can sort of substitute your situation. It's a metaphor, so something that you're scared of. So in your case, this literally was a snake. But for some people, their snake might be delivering bad news or, you know, participating at that meeting or networking or, or what's that? Could be their boss. It could be exactly. So, um, so, uh, you know, and, and, and what I say in the book is that if you, you know, there, if you avoid the snake, so to speak, and, and so many of us spend, you know, parts of our lives and our energy trying to avoid things that we're afraid of. If you avoid the snake, it's not going to be less scary the next time, right? It's going to be more scary. Of course, there's a certain relief, though, in avoiding the snake, right? And that's why there is a relief to avoid that networking event or that, you know, opportunity outside your comfort zone. But, um, but, but uh, if, you, if you get up the courage, if you get up the confidence, if, if in your case, if you're nudged by your children right, to, 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 try, uh, to try holding a smaller snake, it's going to be you know, that much easier to hold the larger snake. So I, I love that both literally and metaphorically. Well, it's also in that there's what, what I didn't share was also the crowd got behind it as well. So, you know, there was the, the whole crowd and my kids holding me to account for holding that snake, which... Uh, and then the biggest night, which kind of got me over the hurdle. And I'm not really quite bothered about them now. So it's, it helped me. It's interesting. It's that's it's interesting again too that example because I think that so my book and my work is about these everyday acts of courage I'd call them. You know, these are stepping outside your comfort zone in these situations that I've mentioned before, you know, let's say delivering bad news or making small talk or networking if you're more introverted and so on. These are little everyday acts of courage and you know the thing is is that you know sometimes we feel alone but we're not always alone in these situations in your case you had the crowd behind you but you but 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 for someone else they they might have a spouse they might have children they might have friends they might have colleagues they might have a mentor they might have a coach so you don't go at it for the most part alone in these situations so is the when it comes to stepping outside your comfort zone obviously you know there is uh, it, can, it can be challenging for um, well, for everybody, really, in, in certain circumstances. But, you know, you mentioned that, uh, an example of fear. Are there other reasons that we don't step outside our comfort zone? Are we, you know, trying to wiggle or avoid getting a task done? Yeah, so so that that actually is one of the big ahas, I think, that people get from from the training that I do or from the book is I try to give people 
um, a framework, a set of language that they can use to really sort of identify and drill down on, you know, what what exactly is behind the fear? Like what specifically? And I, I found I found five different things. Um, now, I, I should say as a preface, um, the, the research I did here was across all sorts of professions. So we're talking entrepreneurs, managers, leaders, executives, doctors, lawyers, small business owners, um, baristas, rabbis, priests, all, a goat farmer, all sorts of people. Uh, <laughs> you know. And so, but what was interesting is all the situations were so different, but, but the challenges, the psychological challenges, what was behind the fear was very similar. Um, and, and I know we have to go to a break, but I can, I can give you a quick sense of what some of those are. We could delve into any of them. Yeah, we've got a couple of minutes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, so for instance, um, authenticity, the feeling that this is not me, uh, and, and that can be a real tough thing for people. So for example, I interviewed a bunch of young entrepreneurs who tried to pitch their ideas to older, more experienced venture capitalists to try to get funding for their fledgling businesses. And they had to put on suits, even though they never wore suits, or they had to put on their grown-up voice when you know it just felt completely inauthentic. They felt like imposters and posers. And that's, that's what I call the authenticity challenge. And a lot of people experience that. Um, another another challenge is what I call the likability challenge. The idea that, that you know you're stepping into a role, into a task, into a way of acting that it's that isn't quite you. It's like writing with your opposite hand or being a fish out of water, and you can be afraid that people aren't going to like this version of you. Um, so, for example, uh, um, I had a uh, I had a woman who who I interviewed who uh, had to uh, learn to be assertive to a colleague who was undermining her in client meetings. And this guy was a total jerk. And she was, but when I talked to her, she said, you know, I'm actually afraid to confront him um, because I'm afraid he's not going to like me. And I said to her, he's not going to like you. Isn't he the unlikable one? And she's like, she laughed. She's like, I know, but, but there's this, there's this challenge that I face. I feel that he's going to hate me. And that's, that's a good example of the likability challenge. Yes. Yes, quite interesting. Uh, one of the ones I ah, so we are going to a commercial break. I just missed um, my little cue there. So we're going to go in a couple of minutes. We'll we'll continue the conversation uh, just after the break. I think there's some really great insights in there. So we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America. 
is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Andy Belinsky. We're talking about stepping outside your comfort zone. and We were chatting about some of the things that's you know stop you from overcoming obstacles and Andy I really liked you know his examples of authenticity he was talking about you know this is this is not for me and is, is that Andy and also you said likability about being a fish out of water and being afraid to move forward is that because people maybe see an obstacle and they kind of filter what's what's required through their kind of belief system and and they decide that actually maybe doesn't work and sit with their value set yeah. Well, I think um, I think that that the sources are different. So, authenticity is sort of like the idea, or feeling inauthentic is sort of almost like imagining that you're seeing yourself acting as yourself in the situation, and this is in, in in realizing this is not me. Holy gosh, this is not me, and I do not feel comfortable doing this. Likeability is sort of the idea that people are evaluating me. Uh, and seeing me do this thing and act in this way, and I, I must look like a total jerk. I remember, for instance, when I so my new book, Reach, that we're talking about here. I started, I started uh, as part of the the book promotion process. A, you know, a couple about a year ago, I started tweeting and, and posting on social media. And I'm to be honest, I think I think uh, it's not my general go-to sort of way to be self-promotional and to put myself out there like this. And I've had to learn it because that you know it's for a greater good i want to really promote this book and it's something i really believe in you know i think it can help a lot of people but i remember how and i still to this day every time i press send on a tweet or a post on social media especially something that you know it feels in some way self-promotional i feel oh my god they're gonna think i'm a total jerk (laughs) (laughs) and so that's that's the that's the likability challenge right there um, you know, in, in, in another one, I just, I just, I feel, I feel like I'd love to mention is, is the competence challenge. So you've got, you could feel inauthentic, you could feel that you're going to be seen as unlikable, and you could, you could also worry that you're going to be seen as incompetent, like a fool. Like, you know, you're, you're afraid mm-hmm. of public speaking, and you just think that, you know, you're going to look like a fool up there, or you think that, and that, that can really stop you in your tracks as well. I was uh, talking with her, I was with a relative of mine uh, a couple of days ago, and 
His daughter now is a, is a very, very successful playwright, uh, Debbie McAndrew, who's been on the show before. And he was telling me about when she was a, a young girl that when she was at school, she was asked, she'd, she'd written a, a small a bit of a play and one of her teachers saw it and then they got somebody else to have a look at it and, and, and someone else came to look at it. And, uh, and what they did is they, they got her, said, could you actually turn this into a play? And it was put on in the local town. And she was playing the, I think, the piano through the through the play, and and the, the crowd were just going at the end of it, were going absolutely nuts. It was it was so successful, um, but she, what she did is she 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 then vanished, and she vanished into the dressing room, and she wouldn't come out for the applause, and she mm. refused to come out for the applause, uh, and and it's interesting. She's still a little bit like that now, even even though she's uh, she's so successful at what she does, um, and I wonder whether whether that's maybe your your sort of likability. Uh, fact or the you know feeling of not wanting to self-promote or yeah or because she could be shy yeah that's interesting it is it is hard to be if you're not someone who feels comfortable being in the spotlight it's very hard to be on display and in the spotlight it's a it's a hard thing um uh, on the on the on the topic of authenticity and competence something that i wrote about in the book and that i think is very sort of pertinent to this topic is that you know, I talk, these are everyday challenges that all, all of us experience, you know, acting outside our comfort zone, but it's not just us. You know, I, in the book, I talk about, you know, famous people who also have these challenges, like, for instance, Natalie Portman, the actress, um, you know, the actress of uh, what she'd been in, Star Wars and Black Swan and all sorts of, you know, she's quite, quite famous. Nice. Um, she, she, sort of halfway through her acting career, she decided to go to college because she started young i guess and she went to harvard and she talks in a lot of interviews about how much of an imposter she felt at harvard and about how when she walked around harvard she felt as as an undergraduate student she felt completely um like a fish out of water and she thought that people must look at her just like some dumb actress like why is she there like she feels like a complete poser a wannabe an imposter not only herself, but also in the ways that she thinks other people see her. And about 10 years later, she came back and gave a commencement speech at the end of the school year for the graduating seniors. And it's on YouTube. You can, you can see it um, about uh, sort of revealing this vulnerability about how much of a basically the authenticity challenge, the competence challenge, how outside her comfort zone it was. And I, I, it was a great speech. So I, you know, I, I wanted to make the point that, 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 that if you, if anyone listening uh, worries and feels anxiety about stepping outside their comfort zone, you're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone. I think anybody who stands and speaks in front of an audience, there's not many people who don't have that feeling of nerves, even when they are accomplished. It, uh, but for a start, it's very painful. I've certainly found it that way. I don't know about you, Andy. Uh, when I first, you know, now, I have to say now I actually enjoy it. Yeah, but, too. you know, this is like, this is almost 20 years in. Right. So, you know, when I first started, I remember when, um, so I remember my first job was after graduate school. I was a professor at the University of Southern California in LA, and there were some great things about that job, namely that I lived about two blocks from the ocean and I could hear the waves uh, in my house <laughs> when I was sleeping. It was, you know, fant- it was a great experience to live as, in L.A. as a young person. However, I felt like such a poser, so inauthentic, so nervous, so fearful, stepping inside an MBA classroom or a business classroom for the first time. I would walk in 
And I remember so vividly the first day I walked in, I did not have much teaching experience, at least in the United States, our PhD programs, our doctorate programs, they train us to be sort of top-notch researchers. They don't necessarily train us to be teachers. But, you know, when you when you graduate and you get a job as a professor, your job is in, in part is to teach, to do research too, but to teach. I remember walking in there and I remember people calling me professor and I like looked behind me. I was like, who are they talking to? Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> It's like, it was, it felt, talk about a fish out of water. Oh my God. And I was so nervous. I would, I would, I would be asked by corporations. I remember to give talks when I, you know, about 20 years ago. And I was like, I have nothing to say here. And I remember one, one company, I think it was a major TV network asked me to come speech, to give a speech, uh, you know, a paid corporate gig, which now I'd be like, yeah, sign me up. But, um, Back then, I remember looking at my calendar. It was, of course, blank, and and, and and they said, you know, you know, can you can you make it this day or that day? And I look at my calendar, and I said, um, looks like unfortunately those days aren't going to work for me. It was com- complete avoidance. I I was terrified. I was terrified. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the things that we can do to reach outside our comfort zone. Then, and I sort of scan you know, through your book and. I mean, I think the first thing you mentioned is having a a deep sense of purpose. You know, why is that important? Yeah, I think that's that's there. There two of these tools. So I found three three core tools, and this was as I as I noted all these different professions that I that I studied. You know, all sorts of cases: doctors delivering bad news. We studied pediatric physicians delivering bad news to families and performing painful procedures on kids, and managers. Um, acting outside their comfort zone, entrepreneurs, doctors, police officers. I did a ride-along for a day where we performed 20 evictions uh, in a major metropolitan city. All sorts of people, and everyday people, in everyday situations. I found it all boiled down to three things, and the first of which was conviction, as you said. And conviction is the idea of like having a deep sense of purpose. It's almost like psychological permission that the that the that the pain is worth the gain in some ways. It's an antidote to avoidance. It doesn't doesn't erase your discomfort, but it gives you the motivation and drive and that sense of purpose to to take action, to give it a try, despite your discomfort. So, you know, for some people, their conviction comes from a professional sense that, you know, you know, I, I'm afraid to to network. I'm afraid to ask my boss for to, to be put on this plum assignment. I'm afraid to ask for a raise, whatever. I'm afraid to public speak. But you know what? I really want to be a manager, or I really want to be a leader, or I really want to progress in my career, and this is really meaningful for me. And so I, I just realized I've got to do this to be able to achieve these goals I care about. So that that that's what that would be an example of a source of conviction. But it could be personal too. You know, it could be you know that let's say you're scared of something, and you know you have kids, and you and you you want to teach sort of like you with your uh, with the snake example. Maybe you've taught your kids that they need to be courageous. They need to have confidence in situations outside their comfort zones. And then all of a sudden, their dad is put in a situation where he's outside his comfort zone. You know, your tendency or my tendency might be to avoid it. You know, we're adults; we can avoid stuff we don't want to do. But you're looking at your kids, and you're like, "Man, I want to be a model for my kids." And so that could be a source of motivation. I mean, it can come from so many places, but in it's very personal, but that is critical to have that source of conviction. That's interesting. We, we, we describe this sort of situation thing in, in our book about letting the situation do the heavy lifting. Mm. That's the way we... In we, what, in what say, say more. So, yeah, so if you come upon... So having setting up situations 
that mean that you have to act so it might be a mentor it might be it might be that you um you, you want to learn about something so you plan plan to speak about it in a in a few weeks time or months time uh, and that situation does the yeah. heavy lifting forcing so, mechanisms forcing me- yeah we have uh, one of my favorite examples uh is a friend of mine who's been on the show a couple of times, Meta Block, who's a, a twice world champion rower from Denmark. And Meta speaks, and she wanted to add more comedy into her speaking. So what she did is she um, she booked a 1,350-seat conference hall in Tivoli Gardens in Copenhagen. She completely sold it out and then had about five months to learn how to do a one-woman stand-up comedy show. <laughs> well, that's letting the situation do the heavy lifting. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's a that's a good one um <laughs> that's interesting you know there is research that suggests that if you make commitments you're more willing to step outside your comfort zone and the extent to which those commitments are public enhances the extent to which you are going to step outside your comfort zone so there you go yeah another thing you talk about is customization what, what's that about yeah that that's i think that's probably the most surprising and exciting tool that I found and I found it I found it in so many contexts customization is the idea in these situations that are uncomfortable for us um, that are outside our comfort zones we often feel helpless right um, you know uh, we might feel even powerless in these situations but customization can put the power back in your hands you're able to make little small but meaningful tweaks, I call them almost, in in your behavior to make it feel just that little bit more comfortable for you. And Mm -hmm. it can be, you you could customize and people customize in so many different ways. I'll give you a, I mean, I I could talk about them. I'll give you one very like hot off the presses example of a MBA student of mine who told me the other day her technique for customizing. I just thought this was brilliant. So her situation outside her comfort zone is that she is quite shy. And she wants to be able to be more successful in social interactions, not even professional networking, just simply making small talk with people she doesn't know. And it's really hard for her. And so she would go to parties and she would sit in the corner and do nothing. And she would see other people talk and then she'd feel kind of depressed and that would make her feel more disengaged and so on. And she had this epiphany (laughs) that she, she, in her own time, she loved taking photos and she had just gotten a selfie stick and she thought whoa what if I brought a selfie stick to a party and she brought the selfie stick and all of a sudden it changed everything it was a prop it was a tool it was a minor tweak and all of a sudden people started coming over to her and wanting to take pictures and check out the selfie stick and she showed them how to use it they took joint pictures she collected their emails not for like an email list or something but simply to like you know send them the pictures and sort of jumpstart a personal connection and for her that was a minor customization of the experience in a sense a minor tweak but it made all the difference and there's so many different ways that you can you know tweak a situation to make it just that little bit more comfortable for you yeah yeah that makes a lot lot of a lot of sense um another another point um you you talked about was clarity what what um talk about clarity about about perspective yeah yeah so 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 the three c's there was uh there was um uh conviction you know, having that sense of purpose, customization, these tweaks we just talked about, and then clarity. 
And I found that this was key for a lot of people to learn to step outside their comfort zones, especially when fear was getting the best of them, when they were feeling really un- inauthentic, when they were worrying about being likable, when they were worrying about you know feeling incompetent, looking incompetent, and so on. And what clar- clarity is the idea that in a lot of situations outside our comfort zones, we can go to I don't know, extremes. We can, what psychologists would say, catastrophize. We can think of the worst case scenarios and fixate on those. Actually, sometimes we even fixate on the best case, very unrealistic best case scenario. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I'm afraid of giving a speech, let's say, I might I might worry that I'm going to be a complete fool. I'm going to forget everything I wanted to say, and I'm going to be like so embarrassed I will never speak again. That is catastrophizing. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on the other hand, we might say to ourselves, you know what, unless I can give a speech that is like the best TED talk ever, it's just not even worth it. That's sort of like extreme in the other direction. Yeah. What, clari- what clarity is, is it's sort of coming to a psychological middle ground. It's having that balanced, almost like normalized perspective and being able to say to yourself, okay, there are two poles along a continuum. There's the absolute worst possible thing that could happen, and there is the absolute best, probably equally unrealistic likely thing that could happen. But, you know, there's a huge amount of middle ground there. And you know what? Chances are I'm going to land somewhere there. Um, I'm going to give the speech. I'm going to get through it. I'll probably surprise myself, and some things will be good, and, you know, there'll definitely be some things I need to work on. But, you know, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to faint. It's not going to be horrible. I'm going to learn a lot from it, and I'll bet you the next time it's going to be better. That is what clarity is. Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's, uh, that's helpful. You're absolutely right. I was thinking about that, about people fixating on the best. I think uh, it's it, interesting when companies set their their business plans you know, and set a vision and, you know, imagine it often imagine massive, massive change and then feel geared the whole organization and then feel disappointed when they don't hit it. Yes. Or, you know, maybe looking at uh, the, that sort of getting clarity about, you know, what's the reasonable situation uh, maybe is more helpful. I think it's actually very useful to literally articulate it, to write it down. In fact, visually, as I just described, to see those poles as poles. Because I think if you're stuck in sort of catastrophic style thinking, on some level, you're only considering that. That's the only consideration you have. But if you yes. can literally write it down and show it to yourself and show yourself that that's one pole, that there's, and then there's this other probably equally unrealistic poll and that there's this whole huge space in between. I think it really, that literally, I think helps a lot of people start to develop clarity. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to play with that myself over the weekend with, <laughs> with my business. So that's great. And we're going to go to commercial break again. Uh, so, and after the break, we're going to look at, you know, how do you make your behaviors stick and you know, how over time do you build up, resilience um but you know those sorts of uh, things and how you'd you can really apply some of this to your own situation so we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes do join us from the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, 
facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper. I'm with Andy Belinsky. Andy and I were talking in the break, and um, you know what we were starting to talk about was was the fact that in an organisation you often have the, the there's a performance sort of system, you know, line managers and appraisals and board meetings and 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 lots of things to hold you to account. But it's often uh, and you kind of pushed a bit more to um, to get out of your comfort zone. But you when you set up your own business and you you run that business you've often got not got that resource around you and those people to hold you to account so it can be you know it can be very liberating but it also can be quite hard as well uh, to, to 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 do that so i wonder andy when you've you've um you've talked about conviction and and customization and clarity how do you uh, you know like that there's an example with the girl with the selfie stick but if you how would you make a new behavior stick so you know so you keep doing this new behavior in over and over again rather than having to go back and and you know put a put a strategy in place to make sure you act yeah it's a great question you know i i i find that um that that in fact just as you said actually trying it actually doing it is the key in other words giving it a try because in essence, in these types of situations, we're so prone to avoidance because these things are often quite you know, self-threatening, right? We feel very uncomfortable in these situations. So how do you get yourself to actually try it? That's conviction, that's customization, that's clarity. And once you've had a chance to try it, what I think happens oftentimes, just like in your story earlier in our chat about the snake, you know, oftentimes people have some discoveries. They discover, for instance, when they actually get over the, get, get over the hump and try something, they, they they often discover, you know, this, this this actually wasn't as bad as I feared, right, on the other side of fear, or that, that I'm actually more capable of handling this than I thought. So those those are those can be powerful um, personal discoveries. But then the key, of course, is to do it again. Because if you deliver bad news, if you let's say you're afraid of speaking in public and you speak and you get up the courage, you 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 
you find your source of conviction, you customize the situation, you work on developing clarity around the worries that you have, and you you give it a go. And it actually is 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 okay. It's pretty decent. And you discover, you know what, I can do this. It's a little bit better than I thought. But then you don't speak again for nine months, right? Yes. Chances are you're going to slip right back into your old routine, right? Yes. So you need to have – it's critical to have um, what I would call a thoughtful and effective practice routine to practice in situations that provide – you know, I call it in the book, in my book, Reach, I call it uh, a just right challenge. Uh, if there are any parents out there who who um, who have children, and there's at least a big movement here in the U.S. to try to find just right books for your child, just right at that reading level. And the same thing with practice situations. Find practice situations and make yourself do them in, quote unquote, just right type of situations. And then I'd say one last thing I think that is critical, and of course those situations need to be realistic and have have some stakes associated with them. But I think, and we were talking a little bit about this at the break as well, it's really important to try to develop what the psychologist Carol Dweck from Stanford calls a learning orientation towards acting outside your comfort zone versus what she calls a performance orientation. If you're fixated on performance, if that's your orientation and you slip up and you make a faux pas or you make a mistake or you don't hit the mark, you know, or whatever the mark might be, and you and you see the world simply through performance, you're going to code that as a failure, right? But if you see the world through learning and you yeah. see this as part of a process, what you'll see, you'll code those mistakes is like critical for advancing yourself and for sort of energizing and catalyzing the learning process. So what's the frame that you take on your behavior as you're developing your expertise and your ability? To me, that's one of the secrets of resilience. Yeah. So I, I think um, you know, I like that idea you know, earlier about, you know, not fixating on the worst case versus the, the best. But I, I think what people can do and be put off is if they are doing something and there are people who are really, really good at it, they can me try and measure themselves against them. And that can be a problem, can't it? You know, if you were measuring yourself against a, an amazing lecturer at uh, a university and you uh, just started lecturing or you are doing a sport and you're comparing yourself with a great sports person or a or music, you know, mu you play a musical instrument, you're starting it and you're comparing yourself with uh, you know, Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin or something like that. You've got, you've got to be careful, haven't you, about those markers because we're all on a journey, aren't we? And those people have been through a journey and any way we get better is really by starting at the beginning and putting the effort in. I think that you put the you put your finger on the on the on the key issue there. Um, it's you know I think in any of our professions we have that person right. If you're you're you are a very successful um, radio host, but I'll bet you they're radio hosts with bigger audiences out there in the world, yeah. right? Yeah. You know each each of us has written a book with Penguin Random House, my book Reach, and your book for, that came out I guess last year. I'll bet you there are authors who have published more books and have sold more books, and you could go on and on and on. And if you end up comparing yourself to people who are more successful than you, and that's where you sort of dedicate your psychological um, and psychic resources, you're probably going to live an unhappy life. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think the, I, think that the, I think the key 
is to focus not externally but internally, not extrinsically but intrinsically. Focus on what you enjoy to do. Focus on your process. Focus on your craft. Focus on your development. Focus on your sort of intrinsic um, immersion and flow and enjoyment in the work that you're doing. And I think that if you do that, then this sort of point of comparison almost becomes irrelevant. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that makes that uh, makes a huge amount of sense. And what is, what is strange is thing that happens once if you if you give something that focus and you focus on what you enjoy, you focus on your craft, and you keep doing that and doing that. Eventually, you get to a point when actually you're really very good at it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and but I think that I think it's very self defeating to compare yourself um, really at any stage. Um, but, but I think, I think the sort of intrinsic focus is critical for, you know, I, frankly, for being more satisfied, for being happy, but also for being more productive, I think. Yeah. I don't know about you, what you think about this, but I was just thinking about, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book and the book when he talks about, you know, to be an expert at something, it's, you put 10,000 hours of time in and actually that can be really limiting for people, can't it? Because think actually, I'm not going to be good until I put ten thousand hours of time into it. Uh, <laughs> I think that's I think that's been debunked. Actually, I, for, <laughs> I I I heard a recent interview with one of the researchers. You know, that's a danger of um of people like Malcolm Gladwell. I I, I enjoy his writing a lot, Me but too. he's not he's not an academic, and you know he he might be trying to popularize ideas for a general audience, but he but but in the popularization of the idea, you might miss some key details. So the original study much, I think was much more nuanced than that simple fact, but that ultimately that, that the story was told, the simple fact was sort of like cascaded into the world and that's almost become a quote unquote truth. But I actually don't think that, I don't think it's, I don't think that's really the case. And, you know, in some ways there's some danger because it can feel kind of self-defeating like, Oh my gosh, I can't get good at anything until, you know, I spend 10,000 hours on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yes, you can see, you you see young children, don't you? Don't you? You know, age of age of eight and nine, you know, playing a guitar amazingly, or, uh, or look, you know, amazing on the soccer field, and you know, they've not had ten thousand hours, have they? They've got something <laughs> innate in them, um, an, an innate kind of gift. So I think you have to be a bit careful because I remember thinking that that felt quite limiting to me when I first started speaking. Thinking, how on earth do I, will I get to ten thousand hours? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of a very arbitrary, random, almost unattainable number in some ways, you know. And it <laughs> it also does it also by you know the focus on ten thousand hours brings it away from a process and more towards an outcome, right? Because you know it's 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 not a it's a very um, dichotomous idea of zero or ten thousand. But the reality is is that there's improvement and growth and increases in courage and confidence all the way through in some ways, you know. I just um, looking at the time now. I've only got a three or four minutes. I need to wrap up. So you know, just interested to. You know, have a think now about you know how people maybe you know take on board some of the, the the things from some of the points that you've made around reach and how they introduce it into their own lives. Any any tips and recommendations? Yeah, I think I I think that w- one thing I would say to people um, is that if there's a situation outside your comfort zone, and all of us have them, you know, start to identify what it is. Think about it. Don't you know? Ask yourself. 
ask yourself, if you were able to wave a magic wand and eliminate the fear, eliminate the anxiety, would this be something that you would love to add to your personal or professional repertoire? If you could wave that wand, eliminate your anxiety about public speaking, about being assertive at meetings, about making small talk with people you don't know, about pitching and promoting yourself at networking events, about delivering bad news, whatever it is. If you could wave that magic wand, would it be something you'd want to be able to do? If the answer is yes, and be honest, then I think my advice would be, of course, you know, <laughs> this is where my uh, own, com- I'm stepping outside my own comfort zone here, buy the book Reach, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my self-promotional message. But honestly, that's my very best thinking. I've, I, I feel proud of the book. I really want, I think the book can be a tremendous resource. And I think what you'll learn uh, when you apply some of these tools is number one, you're probably more flexible than you think you are. Number two, you're probably more brave than you think you are. And number three, I'd say the situation that you're worried about probably isn't as bad as you think it is. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, just flashing through my mind, I was thinking I probably could have done with your book when I was about in, in my 20s and uh, uh, looking for a partner. <laughs> Having that, yeah. that confidence being, being in a bar, dare I go over and talk to her? Um, it's interesting because the book is written, you know, I, I have some personal examples in there, but it's absolutely relevant to sort of everyday life as well. No, there's no question. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any uh, final messages that you'd like to leave us with? Um, my, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest, my final message would be just what I said. And also, if it, I love to connect with folks around these topics. So if you're able to check out the book Reach, uh, please contact me. I'm available on LinkedIn and I have a, a author Facebook page and Twitter and so on. And you can email me off my website, which I assume you'll have in your um, show notes, but it's andymalinskyoneword.com. And, and I love to connect with people and hear your stories. Excellent. Okay. Andy, it's been an absolute privilege talking with you today and you know, hearing your viewpoint on this really important subject. It's something that we all you know, all face. Um, it's not something that necessarily goes away because we'll always find something that's uh, suddenly outside of our comfort zone. Um, and, uh, you know, I think really great, uh, great work and a great book. So I really recommend that people go out and buy that book and and, and learn from it and you know use it and uh, you know, in parallel and um, power to get things done as well that's um i can see both those books what i'm realizing is just how complementary they are and how they uh, they work well um, together so i wish you well andy thank you very much for being on the show today thank you this is really fun i really enjoyed it yeah me too and and on next week's show, we have David Avrin. Now, David is um, an expert. He's actually one of the most in-demand business marketing and branding keynote speakers. Um, probably globally, speaks um, all over the world. Um, I've seen him speak in the, the United Kingdom uh, last year, and I was really, really um, bowled away by some of his thoughts and his comments and his ideas. Uh, he's known as the Visibility Coach, and he's going to talk to us about visibility marketing, uh, the no-holds-barred truth about what it takes to grab attention, build your brand, and win new business. So do join us again next week. Uh, once again, a huge thank you to Andy Malinsky. And if you're interested in finding out about more about the show and what's what's sort of coming up and uh, linking to past shows, then we send a newsletter out once a month. Um, so go to Chris at Chris Cooper. So go to chriscooper.co.uk and you 
sign up at the top of the uh, website. So thank you very much. And I wish you all a wonderful week. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.